and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. So at the end of next week, April 22nd, it's Earth Day, and we wanted to take this opportunity to just chat about making your sewing room a little eco-friendlier. Quilters have long been known for their sustainable practices. Uh, you know, they save the smallest of scraps. Um, they make make do in their projects, which you see a lot in antique quilts. Um, they may repurpose clothing or feed sacks. Um, and they're creating quilts that are meant to last for generations. So as green living continues to be more popular and more important than ever, it's really no surprise that quilters are asking themselves what steps they can take in their sewing lives to make a difference. So I've been passionate about living as green a life I can for a while now. And while it's easy to see ways I can improve things around my home, it's harder to see those ways in my sewing room, and part of that for me is that our hobbies and our sewing lives sometimes feel like an indulgence. Um, I spend a lot of time, money, uh, even space on quilting, and in many ways that feels extravagant and exciting, but I shouldn't treat my sewing room differently than I treat the rest of my home when it comes to these eco-friendly upgrades. So today I have 11 tips to share. They're all small changes you can make. There's nothing crazy, um, but I truly believe that these small changes can add up and make a big difference in the impact we have on the planet. And many of these changes can also impact our wallet, which is a very nice perk. So let's start with an easy one. It's probably one you've done other places in your home as well. You can swap. LEDs for incandescent light bulbs. So next time a bulb burns out in your sewing space, switch to an LED bulb. They last 50 times longer than a standard incandescent light bulb and they consume less power. So I've done this recently in both our kitchen and our bedroom, so I've slowly been replacing bulbs and light fixtures as I can. The next tip is to compost your fabric scraps. So you can turn fabric trimmings, other small scraps, into rich soil for your garden. So if the fabric is 100% cotton, linen, bamboo, or wool, it's biodegradable, and it counts as the brown material in your compost bin. So this works especially great if you have a compost bin in your home or yard. Um, in most cases, your city's compost bin will not accept fabric scraps, um, but it doesn't hurt to check with them. Uh, I've always loved this story I've heard in the past. We used to cut a lot of pillowcase making kits for charity events, and we would have salvages from bolts and bolts of fabric. And we found a lady who owned a worm farm in our area, and she loved taking our fabric scraps. And she said the worms just loved them and devoured them, and this story has always stuck with me, so now that I have a compost bin in my own yard, 
I make sure to save small scraps and trimmings to throw in there. So the next tip is to clean up your sprays. So choose plastic spray bottles instead of aerosol cans for liquid starches. Uh, aerosol cans admit what's called VOCs, volatile organic compounds, and those things cause poor air quality. Um, and they also contain compressed gases that contribute to global warming and they're hazardous to the soil and water when they're thrown away. So we've mentioned in the past on the show that, um, you know, about continuous spray bottles. So these spray bottles can be filled with starch and then they provide a smooth, even spray, just like you would get with an aerosol can, but no harmful chemicals needed. So we'll link to a few options in the show notes. This product is really, truly a game changer and... If you want to take it a step farther, you can actually make your own spray starch. Um, it's made of one part vodka and two parts water. Next, let's talk about laundry. So our next tip is how to make your wash greener. So you can use eco-friendly laundry detergent and cold water to wash your fabric and quilts. You can air dry your quilts if it's possible by laying them down over a drying rack or on a clean sheet outside. Um, and if it's a smaller or lighter quilt, you can even hang it from a clothesline, but just make sure that the weight is supported and the seams aren't stressed by that hanging. And in your dryer, instead of using dryer sheets, which are disposable, you can use wool dryer balls, which they're reusable and they can cut down on your drying time. Our next tip is to dispose thoughtfully. So if you're upgrading your supplies, donate still usable items so that the supplies have a second life. Uh, specifically for sewing machine donations, search online for the sewing machine project. They do great work. And check with places like schools, care facilities, 4-H groups, and quilting guilds, which they may accept used supplies or unwanted fabric. And of course, beginner sewers are always appreciative of free supplies. Um, or you could even donate things to the Salvation Army or Goodwill. Um, and you may want to check with your local recycling center to see if textiles or even metal like bent or broken pins, um, machine needles, dull rotary cutter blades can be recycled there. Um, not all recycling centers accept that, but you know, if it does seem like a lot of work to drop off tiny items at your recycling center like this, um, if it accepts them, it could be kind of a nice idea to bring it up to local guilds or quilt shops to let them know uh, they may offer to be a drop-off point for these items so that a larger load can be hauled to the recycling center when it's full. Next, let's talk about mending and repairing. So you can use your sewing skills to mend clothing, home decor, upholstery, and well-loved quilts to extend their lives. Quilters have long been doing that, um, and now visible mending is so trendy, so you don't even necessarily need to repair items that look flawless. Like, it's become stylish to show off patches, embroidery stitches, and more, so that you can kind of like proudly show off the repairs. So if an item is too far gone, you can try to repurpose parts of it. So you can remove buttons and zippers from clothing and accessories. Uh, you can take out a pillow's stuffing or a cushion to use in another project. 
and fabric pieces can either be added back to your stash or used in other projects. Next, let's talk about shopping. Uh, shop local is not a new <laughs> idea, but buying supplies and fabric at your local quilt shop when possible saves on things like transportation fuel and excess packaging that comes with buying online. Plus, local quilt shops are so important, like they provide education and community, so spending your money with them benefits your cities and the other quilters that live in them. Um, and don't forget that when you're shopping, you can bring a reusable bag to put your purchases in. The next tip is to clean your supplies. So similar to mending and repairing things around your home, don't forget to take care of your sewing supplies. Regular care helps your supplies last longer and reduces what goes to the landfill. Um, so you can check manuals for details on how to clean and service things. Um, and don't forget, you can also sharpen your scissors and rotary cutter blades when they get dull instead of buying new. Next, buy in bulk. So you can reduce packaging waste by purchasing your favorite supplies in larger quantities, especially on those things that you know you're going to need. So you can opt for the 10-pack of rotary cutter blades instead of the 2-pack. Um, you can buy big cones of thread, which you can then wind onto smaller spools or bobbins. You can choose refill bottles of spray starch instead of smaller individual bottles. Um, so if your budget allows and you have the storage space, those small changes in shopping habits can really add up. So the next tip is to turn your thermostat down. So according to the US Department of Energy, you can cut your energy usage and save as much as 10% a year on your heating bill by turning your thermostat down seven to 10 degrees Fahrenheit for eight hours each day. And that is just an ideal opportunity to snuggle under quilts. So uh, kind, of, kind of a fun way to, to use quilts. You can have them on beds, couches, snuggle under them because you know, you're turning the temperature a little lower. And our last tip is to stitch projects that are eco-friendly. So you can use your sewing skills to stitch items that help you live a more eco-friendly life um, in other areas of your home. So you can sew reusable grocery bags, cloth napkins to cut out paper ones. Um, you can sew makeup remover rounds instead of buying disposable cloths. So there are a lot of projects out there. Um, we'll link to a few of our favorites in the show notes. I plan to sew some cloth napkins this weekend and... Um, Make that switch in our home from paper towels and napkins to those cloth ones in honor of Earth Day this year. So we hope you've heard a few tips today that you can put into practice in your sewing space. Um, and I'd love to hear what else you're doing to make your quilting hobby more sustainable. So send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com to let me know. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing some listener tips and an idea on how to organize block of the month projects. Hey folks, it's Hunter Lewis, editor-in-chief of Food & Wine. This fall, we're launching the new Food & Wine Classic in Charleston with our partners at Southern Living and Travel and Leisure, and we wanna see you there. This incredible three-day culinary experience will showcase the hospitality, food, drinks, and culture of one of our favorite cities in the country. Join us September 27th to 29th 
to learn more from iconic chefs, share a glass with innovative wine experts, and get to know Charleston with one-of-a-kind experiences curated by the experts at Food & Wine, Southern Living, and Travel and Leisure. Tickets are on sale now at foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. That's foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. See you down in Charleston. Welcome back. Now it's time for reader tips. So you may remember last week I read a listener question I got through an email and asked for everyone's advice. And we got a lot of it. (laughs) So here's the question again. It's from Jenny. She says, I tend to be a people pleaser and want to make the perfect gift. I let them pick a fabric color or the pattern or even both. I sometimes feel like I let them be in charge too much. This can become frustrating because the receiver sometimes doesn't understand colors or fabrics. This year, we will be blessed with three new grandbabies. Two of the quilts are finished, but the last one, my daughter-in-law wants something exactly like a picture that she found on Pinterest. How do others deal with making quilts for others and feel happy with the end result of their quilt? So I got a lot of responses and people had very strong opinions Uh, and they seem to fall into a few different categories. So I'm going to distill everyone's advice. The first camp of people very much said that they would not make a quilt for a person who had so many opinions about the quilt Um, because if they want it exactly like a picture, uh, they are essentially asking for a custom order or a store-bought item and not wanting something special with the handmade touch and the style of the person making it. And in that case, uh, many of the comments I saw said that there will always be a level of disappointment or a lack of appreciation around all that hard work and money involved in the quilt. If that's the case, um, it may be nice to ask if there's maybe another decor item or like a toy item they'd want for the baby's room instead of a quilt. Um, So you could still make something handmade and special, but on a smaller scale. So, um, you know, the daughter-in-law may not care as much about the fabric or the style pattern chosen. Okay, another camp of people said that if it's truly a gift and it's important for you that the grandchild have a quilt, that you can make it exactly like the family wants it, despite your own opinions about the pattern or the fabric chosen. So the gift is like a selfless thing to make, and the family will cherish it, and you'll have the satisfaction of knowing that they love it. Other people said to thank the person for their opinions, and that you'll keep it all in mind as you're making it, But just explain that because it's handmade and you're using fabric that's available now, that the finished quilt may look a little different. But let them know it's made with lots of love and that you're so excited for your new grandchild to have this gift. Uh, These type of gifts are so meaningful. um, So that love should be more important than the colors and fabrics used in the quilts. And hopefully all people involved can understand that. So Jenny, I hope some of that advice helped. Um, I think most quilters have made a quilt for a recipient that either went underappreciated or for a person who had a lot of opinions about it. So I have definitely made one before for a family member who had a very picky choice of colors 
and I think I spent more time shopping at quilt stores and sending pictures back and forth of fabric options and colors and everything than it actually than it actually took me to make the quilt. <laughs> but at the end of the day, even though it was kind of frustrating and it took a lot of time to nail down all the details of that quilt, my family member loves the quilt. They use it all the time and um, they bring it up in conversations with me. So it truly kind of makes it worthwhile to know that it was appreciated. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, please send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I love to help. Now we're moving on to Get Organized, a segment where we share tips for organizing your space. And today I want to talk about block of the month or sampler quilt storage. It is top of mind for me right now because uh, we're hosting a mystery sampler quilt that just started a few weeks ago, um, which I can link to in the show notes. And the project lasts for an entire year. So right now I have all of my fabrics and patterns and blocks stacked on my cutting table. Uh, but that is not the best long-term solution for that project. So if you're making a long-term project too, I have a few ideas for keeping it organized. A favorite tip is to get a clipboard or folder for all of the patterns. Then you have a contained place to put the sheets of paper, any notes you may have. Um, I even like to put a post-it note reminder on the top of the folder to let me know the date when new blocks come out. So I'm reminded to check for new patterns. If you use a clipboard, uh, you can even hang that uh, in, in view on a pegboard or even from a command hook on you know, the side of a bookcase or a cabinet. So it's visible, uh, but it's not taking up any more space. For my blocks, I just like to choose a simple plastic storage container um, because once my blocks are done, and they're trimmed and they're pressed, I'm not ironing them again. So my main concern is having them lie flat so they stay ready for sewing together later in the process. Um, if, if for some reason it's, it's important to label your blocks, you can add a little piece of paper with a label and either pin it to the block or use a small wonder clip. Um, you can do this with sets of units too. So for instance, if you had to make, say, like a bunch of nine patch units for um, sashing or borders or spacers between the blocks, whatever, you can just use wonder clips, keep them all together so they're easy to grab, just the whole stack of them when you need them. So for these type of projects, I make sure to store my storage box in an easy to access place since I'll need to grab it monthly or weekly. Uh, so so I have a little bookshelf under my cutting table uh, that I put the box there so it's easy for me to grab when needed, but you definitely don't want to be putting it in a place where it'll get buried under other storage boxes because it'll just be a pain every time you have to pull it out. As for fabrics, if you have room in your storage container, go for it. Uh, I have such a fear of accidentally using fabric I had intended for a block of the month project on something else. So I always keep my fabric pulled out separately, uh, even when I'm pulling from my stash. So for the project I'm working on now, I had a lot of fabric pulled, much more than could fit in the container with my blocks. So I just got an open storage bin and stacked them inside. And that way I can easily move the fabrics from its storage under the cutting table to my workstation. And then when I'm done sewing, put it all back in the bin. Uh, I know none of these ideas are revolutionary, 
But for someone like me, who has had my cutting table taken up for about a month by all this fabric and patterns, it is a nice reminder that the solution for organizing and storing this project is simple. And I just need to carve out the time to do it. For some reason, thinking about year-long projects can seem overwhelming, so just hearing how simple it is to get organized is helpful. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with the owner of Richland Sewing Center in Hearst, Texas. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Doris Brunette for a Love Your Local Quilt Shop. Take it away, Doris. Hi, this is Doris Brunette, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine with another installment of Love Your Local Quilt Shop, where we feature the community connections and success stories of independent quilt shops. Today, I'm talking to Jeannie Plant, a co-owner along with her husband of Richland Sewing Center in Hearst, Texas. Welcome, Jeannie. It's nice to have a chance to chat with you. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. And Hearst, in case anybody wonders, is actually the northeast corner of Fort Worth. So we kind of call ourselves Fort Worth, too. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and I know that Richland Sewing Center has been around for over 40 years now, and yes. it's a family-owned and operated business. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your shop? Well, the shop originally started as just sewing machines and notions and things like that. And then as the world of embroidery came around, it became very much an embroidery-oriented shop. But um, when we moved to our new location, which was about 20 years ago, we um, had a quilt shop right next to us. And we were sending our customers over there to buy fabric and they were sending their customers over here for their machine needs. And then they closed and we said, well, gosh, I guess we might as well just start carrying fabric. So about 20 years ago, we also became a quilt shop. So um, the store is about half and half. Uh, we have classroom, quilt shop, tons of fabric, and then the machines and everything else are right in the next room. And so it's just been really fun. It's kind of evolved a lot. So my husband's like, fabric, really? And uh, we've had a ball with the fabric. So it's been really fun. Oh, yeah. You've got, I've seen online that you've got quite the fun community. So um, and we do. Think, and it's a multi line machine. So we carol every brands of machines yeah. too. So that makes it fun too. Yeah. Okay. Well, when that quilt shop, I'm just curious, when that quilt shop next door closed, did you take over that space to- We actually didn't take it over for a while. In the beginning, we took over a part of their space. And then um, right before COVID hit, we um, took over the larger space so that we would have a larger classroom, which we really needed a larger classroom and storage space. And then that was in March of 2020. So oh, need yeah. I say more, COVID hit right then. Um, so it was thankful that we had that larger location. So we kept things going, classes and everything in a larger space. Oh, but it was a little hairy. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Um, yeah, did you, I see you probably had to cut down on the number of people you could give classes to. Very it. much so. And we made sure everyone was very spread out. But a lot of our customers, they they love the camaraderie. They love the fellowship of being here. Yeah. So we tried to keep as much going as possible. We sanitized everything. Everyone wore masks. You know, we didn't let any food or drink or in there. And we did everything we could. But they wanted to be here. So we kept going as best we could. That's great. I've heard so many stories about how the shop owners and their customers missed each other. And I missed going to quilt shops. So yes, um, that's yes. great that they were able to keep up that you were able to keep up that camaraderie. So um, I enjoy your Facebook uh, page and all the video demonstrations and tips that you share there. 
Uh, it seems like a great customer service, especially for a shop that sells a lot of sewing machines. Uh-huh. Um, and are you the one that teaches most of the classes? I teach probably 60% of the classes. I have some great teachers. Um, I want to make sure the teachers love what they do and love to teach. I was a public school teacher for many, many years. So my forte is teaching. Um, And I love to be in the classroom. And my Facebook Lives that I I have fun doing those every day. And mine are not geared towards sales, but more towards education. I want to help people enjoy their machines and their techniques and everything as much as they can. So I do have a great staff of teachers also. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that explains why your Facebook lives are so good that you have teaching in your background. So yeah. <laughs> teaching children, um, no wonder you're so great at it. So. Of course, my daughter uses a stapler and scotch tape if she needs to hem something. Yeah. So. Okay. My mother um, was a great seamstress and sewed all of our clothes growing up, including my dad's button down dress shirts. Oh, awesome. um, I have one sister and she can hem pants now and she's sort of learning how to sew straight seams. (laughs) They'll get there, right? Yes. (laughs) So, um, and I know that your current class schedule is quite full. So um, did you, when you downsize the size of your classes with COVID, um, did you have fewer classes, a lot fewer classes than what you uh, in the beginning, have? probably all during 2020, we had a lot fewer classes right. and we only allowed like six to eight people. And because we had acquired that very large room that worked out. Okay. And then as things evolved and people got a little more comfortable and we still kept the mask mandate going, you know, obviously for as long as we could. Right. And, uh, and now we take up to 18 people in the class, but they are still spread out quite a ways. So, and we have some group meetings. We have a quilt club and what we call deck club, which is kind of a fellowship sharing educational. Um, the people like to come as much for anything else as to show what they've been doing and to learn some new things and to see the new fabrics that we have. And they just like being together. So, but we still have them spread out more than we used to. So everybody seems to feel very comfortable. It's been really good. That's great. That's great. That is such a success story right there after um, just knowing some of the stories that I've heard throughout COVID. I know. Well, for a while we did do curbside and that was not fun yeah. within the sewing machine yeah, department. Right. So it was crazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When you would think that opening or expanding your um, floor space just as COVID was hitting was probably bad timing, but actually it was probably really good timing for you guys because it, you pro- it ended up that way. You were able to continue. So yeah. That's awesome. And I've seen a lot of those groups on your social media. Also those um, quilt groups and customers that are getting together and having a ball in your classroom. You can just, yeah, they're fun. It's fun. Photos. So, um, and I've seen them making pillowcases and some of your class projects. Uh, You definitely have some talented quilters uh, there at Richland Sewing. Um, Can you share with our listeners some of the programs you participate in um, to give back to your community? Yeah, it'd be great. We do um, Linus Quills. We've been doing that for probably 20 years. And Linus is a national program. And I don't think it's international, but um, Linus collects quilts and things like Afghans and things too. And they send them to places in need. Like um, way long ago when Katrina hit, Mm 
you know, they sent a lot of quilts down to that area. I'm hoping they're able to send some overseas these days, but I'm not sure. But our local ones go to the fire departments, the police departments and things like that. So whenever there's um, an emergency situation, they pass out the quilts to the people that obviously are in need. Their, their house may be on fire. Um, the Women's Haven, which is a shelter for battered women, um, we send quilts and socks and personal needs to those areas, people that just need things. So Linus has been a great thing. We used to have a lot of sew-ins here, and now they have sew-ins at some of the other places. But people drop off fabric as well as finished quilts or half-finished quilts, and there's a lot of volunteers to help to get those done. It's a great program. It's just great. Yeah, that's great. Um, and what other uh programs do you uh, participate Well, I've got in? a couple mug rugs in my hand. We do a lot of mug rugs for <laughs> Meals on Wheels. Mug rugs are the new coasters. Right. <laughs> so as much as anything else, they're kind of decoration, but the people that get the Meals on Wheels, and they deliver so many Meals on Wheels all over, and they decorate their little meal box with this, and the people are so excited to have this on their tray. We also take them to some of the nursing homes at the holidays, and my customers are absolutely fabulous. As soon as I say somebody needs something, they are there. So right now, actually tomorrow and Saturday, we're collecting these to take to Meals on Wheels and the nursing homes. And then we also have uh, the pillowcases that we make. We take the pillowcases to Cook's Children's Hospital in Fort Worth. And every patient at Cook's Children gets a pillowcase every season, every holiday. And if they have siblings that are in attendance in the rooms, the siblings also get pillowcases. So we take a lot Oh, of nice. pillowcases down there, which works out really well. Um, the Women's Shelter, Linus, and Cooks are the big part of our donation. And then I think you wanted to know something about the Motor Project. Yeah, that was love bugs. That, um, I've only heard a little bit about, so I wasn't super familiar this with This is a love bug. It's a <laughs> pillow that has a couple little pockets in it. And our customers did all different kinds, all different colors. Some of them used embroidery on the eyes. Um, some people put little legs on here, but Moda worked with another national organization and they are taking these. We have a wonderful customer who works for the foster program in Fort Worth and she has given, we've given several hundred of these. And as soon, like I said, as soon as I told my customers, we Moda provided the free patterns. Um, we printed those off and gave them to the customers. We showed them how to make them with a couple demonstrations and they came in by the hundreds. It was awesome. I'm so Maybe. proud of my customer group. Yeah. But, um, and then they are given to foster kids. We found out we had a speaker come in from the foster program. And a lot of these children are moved from place to place. Um, and they're, they don't even have any possessions. She said, normally they shove what little possessions they have into a plastic bag. Uh, and they don't have anything. And something being able to hold on to a pillow is a comfort. It's hard to understand how bad some of these situations are. And they're not necessarily from low income families. These are children in all sorts of situations. So we felt really good. And some of the other counties that surround Tarrant County, Tarrant County is where we are, that's Fort Worth, um, mm -hmm. didn't have a provider of love bugs. So um, the foster program sent a lot of our love bugs to some of the surrounding counties. So we were just thrilled. It's it's a neat, neat program. It's kind of slowing down right now. It's been almost a year and it's supposed to be a year program. So, but if anybody wants any information on that, you can go onto the Moda website um, and there's a pattern there that you can get. And we'd be happy to take any here. If anybody has any extras or no, contact your local county 
foster care um, program and you'll be able to find out about that. So it's been really fun. I love them. That's great. Those are so cute. And do you, you said some of them have pockets. Do they all have pockets in them? Well, it's, there's like a little pocket here and some people even went so far as to type up a little uh, neutral greeting, like -hmm. somebody cares, somebody loves you. And they put little notes in here because you can get your hand inside there. So it made a neat little place for them to kind of tuck away some things. Right. And And they are real cuddly. Things in there too, if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh Well, great. Um, is there anything you wanted else you wanted to share with our listeners today, Jeannie, about your shop? Or No, I would say we try and carry a large variety of things. And like I said, our focus is to help people with their projects. We help them pick out fabric. We help them with machines. We help them with techniques and things like that. But get people in. We're trying, of course, to appeal to the younger generation. Um, a lot of the quilting community has changed over the years. Um, it was getting older as myself, um, but now we're seeing more young people and we want to encourage young people to start sewing. I used to be a home economics teacher back when it was called that, and they don't have that in a lot of schools anymore. So we want to reach people because we we need to reach out to the community. And I think by the community projects, people kind of get an idea. It's a good place to gather here. It's a safe spot. And if they can learn a technique, hopefully we'll spur a little interest in sewing and quilting and embroidery and all those things. So the more you can delve into your community, I think the better it is. We've even gone to the churches and things like that with demonstrations and things like that. So, and then of course there's quilt shows and trade shows and things like that all around. And we try to participate in those things as much as we can. So it's just fun. We try to make it fun really. Yeah, I think you do have a very fun shop from what, what I see not being able to visit at this point. But well, come on down and see us. Down there, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. So, And you're absolutely right about bringing the younger quilters in. And there are those young people um, and even, you know, teens and kids that are interested in learning how to sew, whether their parents know how to sew or not. Um, yeah, and a lot of them did. So. interests. So that's yeah. great. And it's wonderful that um, you've thought of ways to bring them in. But we try. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeannie, I want to thank you again for chatting with me today. Um, all of us here at American Patchwork and Quilting wish you and your entire team a great success in the coming year. Thank you so much. And back to you. And we love that magazine, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Doris. I just love hearing the ways that quilt shops are helping their communities. They do so much more than just sell fabric and supplies, so it's a great reminder to support them and shop local. Of course, we'll link to Richland Sewing Center and the charities mentioned in our show notes so that you can connect with them more. And that's it for today's show. Before we leave, I wanted to read a review of the podcast, and this one comes from JLR206. They say, I love this podcast. I've been a dedicated listener through the pandemic and absolutely feel like I'm meeting up with my quilty friends every time a new episode is released. The APQ podcast team does such a great job covering a wide variety of topics, sharing trends, being real about their sewing, showcasing quilt shops, and more. There's something for everyone in the quilting world. Well, this is just the nicest review, so thank you so much. And if this review is yours, We'd love to send a little thank you gift, so please reach out to me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That's listed in our show notes. Thanks, and everyone have a great week.
all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.